0: podcast devoted to the study of Hegel's philosophy of right. So, hi everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you are watching this. I'm supposing that you're not watching this at night. Um, I wanted to talk to you about um, a paragraph. Um, let me take a look first. Paragraph five hundred and four. Um, we we'll come to that later. This is the philosophy of right. Paragraph one hundred and fourteen. Just to take you through the uh, general um, idea of this passage. The right of the moral will contains three aspects and we're going to take a look at the first one, um, which is the abstract or uh, formal right of action. The abstract or formal right of action, according to which the content of my action, as accomplished in immediate existence, is entirely mine. So that the action is the purpose of the subjective will. I would prefer the word intent, but I'm not sure about um, whether or not that is correct in English. Uh, for in German, seems to be intention, my intent in what I try to do. The purpose I always consider to be something else. Uh, Ziel, uh, that what I um, intend to do as such. So the objective outcome that i have whereas four sets for sets um, seems to be closer to my subjectivity so more like my intent what i aim to do instead of what i what is the achieved um, end of what i'm doing but that might be just a little too subtle uh, a, a difference here uh, but in my feeling in in the English language, purpose is not exactly what we want to have here. So we have three things here. Um, We are talking about the formal right of action. We have to consider that we're still in this abstract sphere um, of morality. This is not a complete and full sense of morality. Um, which can only come about when we consider morality in the context of social ethics. Secondly, it is accomplished in immediate existence, so we have to do with a presupposed sphere of reality in which we act, in which we change things by our own actions. And thirdly, the abstract character of this right of action is demonstrated by the fact that actually the only thing I will be saying is that I did it. This is my action, Um, which can be pretty important when you uh, take the um, almost proverbial line, uh, what's more, much more than this, I did it my way. Okay, so that is the extreme expression of the subjectivity of the will that, My action is indeed my action, and mine alone. Um, There is this gap also between this being my own action in relation to the Dasein, the immediate existence of the world in which I am acting, or the thing that I accomplish in my actions, And that is um, the abstract or formal right of action. I have the right to act. My action is accomplished within immediate existence and it is purely mine. Now, uh, afterwards, we will also consider, of course, in the next paragraphs, the second and third characteristic of morality. So this is the immediate uh, element uh, the universal, uh, the abstract universal. There is a particular aspect, which is the inner content, etc. And there is this element of Einzelheit, that is to say the complete synthesis of universality and particularity, which is the individuality or the single singularity of uh, the morality. Let's take a look at the particular first. Uh, Then we have to do with the inner content. Uh, What um, is the determination of this immediate existence for me? So what is my intention? Now here he translates intention. Then secondly, um, I have a particular end in my action. And that is that I feel well. My welfare is at stake here. Um, so what is the value of an action? Why do I find it important to act in a particular manner? And secondly, the ultimate goal of my actions is to feel well, to be well. Then thirdly, this content of my action, the content of my intent, is inward. It's part of my interiority, something I am conscious of within myself, yet it has to do with what many subjects would find to be good, it's not just my own welfare, but the welfare of other people as such. Um, so we're going to talk about an objectivity of the intent of my action, Uh, the objective value of what I try to do, and that is the absolute end of the will. That is what I truly must will um, when I act as a moral being, and that is what we call the good. And of course there is a subjective universality, like in Das Unrecht in Justice, where I oppose this good, And then uh, my conscience tells me that I acted wrongly and objectively I have acted with evil. Uh, Not particularly, not not straightforward by uh, my evil intent. But the value of my action can be considered the opposite of the good. Um, It can be considered to be evil. So these three elements we have to work through now in order to go through morality and reach social ethics but first we're going to take a look at um, this abstract or formal right of action which in the encyclopedia um, only takes up um, one paragraph so here it is this is the paragraph um, I want to show you now, the encyclopedic paragraph 504, with the title "The Vorzatz. As I said before, it's usually translated as the purpose, um, and I have a little inclination to translate it as the intent. Now let's read read first of all the German, just translate it and read the German and then we will go to the English translation and consider more philosophically uh, what is going on here. So let's look at the first sentence. Insofern die Handlung unmittelbar das Dasein betrifft, so ist das meinige insofern formell, als das äußerliche Dasein auch selbstständig gegen das Subjekt ist. So that's an interpretation of what abstract means here. So inasmuch as the act, the action, um, is immediately concerned with external existence, with immediate existence. Uh, so the uh, fact that it is my action is uh, a formal thing. Why? Because this External existence is indeed external, is das äußerliche Dasein. And in its externality, it has its own motion and importance and value. It's independent of my subjectivity. It's not something that I have posited that this äußerliche Dasein is something that I simply find available. Um, um, it's something that is simply there we're not talking about um, desiring a cup of coffee anymore we're not talking about the right to drink it uh, to satisfy my um, thirst we're talking now about presenting a cup of coffee or making a cup of coffee changing something in the world and what this means uh, at a moral stage Presumably, making a cup of coffee is not uh, a thing that has moral value. However, if I um, am of service to someone else, or I have a contract to make a cup of coffee for someone, um, then, of course, it becomes morally important as well. But um, let's take a, a better example of a moral action. Let's say um just for the sake of the argument we're going to talk about um, uh, stopping your car for a traffic light when the traffic light goes to red we are under obligation to stop there and there is some um, similarity between moral rules and traffic laws as we will see later on Uh, and of course there is a social socially moral element to that as well Um, and uh, that will prove important later on but that's the example that I want to use now uh, if we take that example when I stop before a traffic light that is my action it's my decision to stop before a traffic light now, the traffic light itself is not placed there by me. It's an external existence. And it is completely independent of my uh, volition, uh, my subjectivity. And that makes my decision, my action to stop, something formal. It has no reality within itself. And it makes the reality of the traffic light something purely external and independent of with regard to the subject. Okay, let's go on and take a look at the second sentence. Diese Äußerlichkeit kann dessen Handlung verkehren und anderes zum Vorschein bringen als in diese Gelegenheit. Now, let's change the situation a bit that we use as an example. Let's suppose that the traffic lights are in disorder and Uh, All the lights uh, jump to green. So we have a very dangerous uh, traffic situation. Now, if that is the case, if I stop for a red light or move on through a green light, there uh, there is an external circumstance that can really change the moral value of my action. If I simply assert my right to move on through a green light and thereby uh, hit two pedestrians that are crossing the road at the same time uh, it's obvious that the external situation of the green light being wrong changes the morality of my action and it brings other elements to light zum Um it's something other than what I had in my intention, or what I meant by this action. So this externality can bring about a total change of meaning of this action, and it can bring to the fore other elements of this action, and these are other elements that uh, have not been part of my intent. Okay, let's go through the third sentence. Well, that is the last sentence. It's the whole of this. Obgleich alle Veränderungen als solche, welche durch die Tätigkeit des Subjekts gesetzt wird, Tat desselben ist, so erkennt es dieselbe darum nicht als seine Handlung, sondern nur dasjenige Dasein in der Tat, was in seinem Wissen und Willen lag, was sein Vorsatz war, als das seinige Outside the short, and so we only recognize in our action what we intended to do. With other words, what we uh, did, what was the deed that we wanted to execute. So, despite the fact that every change, as such, that is posited by the activity of the subject, is its action, Um, nevertheless it only recognizes that part of the activity which is intended by it. So it only recognizes the result of the action that was also known beforehand, was intended, was something that I wanted. Uh, in short what was my intention that is what is truly mine and therefore that's the only thing that i can be guilty of now this is quite interesting because we have of course actions that have consequences that are not known or could not have known or are completely accidental um could not have known therefore in the most strict sense of the word um, and they are not my fault so i drive through this green light it's a misty weather i can't see uh, more than one meter uh, two or three meters before me uh, a couple of yards so um, then Can I be guilty of the fact that I hit this pedestrian? Well, morally, it's not my fault. So in a court of law, I might be acquitted because I can argue that I had no idea uh, that there were pedestrians on the road, that the green light, of course, was um, allowing me to move forward, so even though i'm responsible because it's my activity that uh, changed something in the world it's not my fault it's not something that i'm responsible for there should be other circumstances that give me that um, that guilt Um, i can only be guilty if i could have known or should have known or uh, should have um, Uh, driven my car at a more moderate speed uh, which is something uh, that we deduce from the actions of others uh, that it is meaningful and responsible to reduce speed in such circumstances but when we consider here the abstract situation then it can only be my fault I can only be guilty of something that is truly my action um, and expresses my knowledge and my volition, and that is uh, what uh, constitutes eine Handlung, so a deed or an act, whereas the action, the activity as such, of course is mine, but the actions might have consequences that I did not desire, did not want, or did not know about, And therefore they cannot be my my fault. Now let's take a look at the English version. I have to change this a little bit. Change it a little bit and let's choose a smaller, a little bit smaller. Yes, okay, so we can read it together. So here we have this translation of purpose again. Paragraph 504. So far as the action, so far as the action, um, oh, it doesn't highlight, uh, now it highlights. So far as the action comes into immediate touch with existence, that is the Dasein, the uh, external existence, my part in it is to this extent formal. That external existence is also independent of the agent. That is me. I'm the one who is acting. So that uh, is a nice translation of the German. My action comes into contact with existence, or into contact, into touch with immediate existence, or into immediate touch with existence, whatever you prefer, and. Thus Meineke is formal. And the external existence is independent. Okay. Now we have to recognize that this external element can truly mess up my action. It can pervert his action and bring to light something else and lay in it. Something can happen um, as a result of my action that wasn't intended by me. Now. Although, let's we first get rid of this. And then we go on to the third sentence. Now, um, so, now, though any alteration as such which is set on foot by the subject's action is its deed, still the subject does not for that reason recognize it as its deed. This should read deed but only admits as its own that existence in the deed which lay, that existence in the action which lay in its knowledge and will, which was its purpose. Well, not its purpose, but its intention. Only for that does it hold itself responsible. Now, only for that does it have a responsibility, not hold itself responsible, um, doesn't say here it recognizes something as it's okay oh yeah yeah we, we can say that um, it holds itself responsible it recognizes itself um, as responsible so the recognition of my intention within my action which is my deed handlung that's the only thing I can be responsible for. Um, responsible verantwortlich in German is not the same as schuld, uh, uh, which is guilt to be guilty of something. Okay, now in order to understand what is important here, what everyone can see is that this is a, a nice description of the most basic form, the most simple idea of um, uh, moral action. Um, I wanted to take a look at the philosophy of right. So we're going to paragraph 115 now. Hegel discusses the purpose and responsibility, paragraph 115, up to and including paragraph 118. Um, And he discusses here with this terminology the most immediate and abstract determinations of moral action. Now, what is this? The finitude of the subjective will in the immediacy of action consists immediately in the fact that the action of the will presupposes an external object. We talked about that. With various attendant circumstances, and I cannot... uh, uh, cannot understand, cannot know in advance all these attendant circumstances. The external reality is much too complicated to know what precisely the effect of my action will be. Now, the deed, which which is the moral action, posits an alteration to this given existence. Um, Like in making a cup of coffee, or driving past, um, driving past a traffic light. And the will is entirely responsible for it, for the deed, not for the action, but for the deed, insofar as the abstract predicate, mine, attaches to the existence so altered. So here he says that when I can... Um, make, if I I make the cup of coffee and what comes out of my actions is a cup of coffee and that is the result of my action. Um, And it can be called the result of my action because it totally conforms to my intention. Now in the tsuzats, immediately we find this, an event Let me highlight this. An event or a situation which has arisen is a concrete external actuality which accordingly has an indeterminable number of attendant circumstances. So I don't know everything that is going on. And then comes quite a difficult sentence. Let me take a look at that. Every individual moment which is shown to have been a condition ground or cause of some such circumstance and has thereby contributed its share to it may be regarded as being a holy, fully wholly, or at least partly responsible for it. So um, in this very complex external situation, um, whenever I find that there are other causes than my, that my action, other grounds or conditions to be fulfilled, other than my volition and my action, which lead to the circumstance at the end, the new situation after I've changed something in the world, um, so that there are many other things that contribute to um, the new situation. They are at least partly, and maybe fully, responsible for it. So when we take uh, a situation in history, he says here the French Revolution. Let's do that a little bit neater. In the case of a complex historical event such as the French Revolution, the formal understanding can therefore choose which of a countless number of circumstances it wishes to make responsible for the event. So from a moral point of view, if we look at... um, Events, just as the outcome of the individual actions of moral subjects, we have a countless number of circumstances, situations, causes, that we can attribute um, the causality of it, to which we can attribute the causality of it. Um, uh, An almost infinite number of people are involved, there are circumstances that can be described, There are physical limitations and motions that have no moral meaning in themselves, but they are also also part of this external reality. So this formal understanding only goes as far as making it possible for us to choose um, what has the greater responsibility for something. Now, um, that means that in the example that we're using I can blame the fog, I can blame the um, defect in the traffic lights, I can blame the pedestrian themselves because they choose to make this dangerous crossing and knowing that they were crossing a, a road uh, that possibly had... Um, uh, Uh, cars on them um, driving through these traffic lights so this sharpens our understanding that um, there is a a very narrow limitation to what is my real responsibility if there are other causes involved then I cannot be the sole um, the sole uh, agent of a particular circumstance or outcome. Now paragraph one sixteen uh, discusses the innocence of the will. It is let me highlighted first, it is admittedly not of my doing if damage is caused to others by things of which I am the owner and which as external objects exist and function within a varied context as may even be the case with myself as a mechanical body or living entity. Um, When I fall off um, uh, a ladder and I hit some pedestrian walking below that ladder, um, it's obvious that my body is not um, the agent, the, the full responsible agent, of any damage that that pedestrian has to Um, cope with Um, but what if i am the owner of a herd of sheep and those sheep break through their uh, fences and they come onto the property of my neighbor and they eat all his wonderful um, pumpkins that he was preparing for uh, some um, uh, country competition and now he will lose that competition because all his pumpkins are uh, damaged. Now, that is a question to be considered. in what de- To what degree am I responsible for the actions of my sheep? But the damage is more or less my fault, which has to be um, determined by a court of law, because the things which caused it are, after all, mine. So that is the first and basic thing. Um, They are my sheep, so the damage that they um, inflict upon others is my responsibility. Although they are in turn only more or less subject to my control. Well, in this case, I might argue that the fence was destroyed by my neighbor and then my sheep went to the other side. I can't be expected to control all my sheep and he shouldn't have um, ripped out part of that fence. Um, so that is a a judgment call Um, could I have known that these sheep would have made that damage then I am more to blame for what they did and if I couldn't have known and there is really something very odd going on someone else has opened the gate or broke the fence then of course uh, it's less and less my fault So, paragraph 116 says that there is a possible innocence of my volition, even though we have an action here that is mine, in the sense that something that I own has this activity for which I am in principle responsible. Nevertheless, it would depend on the degree to which these things are subject to my control or are under my supervision, or um, to what degree other um, external objects, other causes and conditions have contributed to the ultimate damage. Now let's move on to paragraph 117 of the philosophy of right. Um, 117 talks about das Recht des Wissens, the right of knowledge, Uh, So that is the moral right. That is um, the uh, result of the fact that I have to know before. um, uh, Well, I'm supposed to know at least something of the result of my action. But I cannot be um, expected to know everything. And das Recht des Wissens is that I can only be uh, uh, the holder accountable for that which I could have known, and not simply for all that that I might have known. Let's take a look at the first sentence. The autonomously acting will in the ends which it pursues in relation to the existence it has before it, has an idea of the circumstances which that existence involves. Of course I know that there is a reason for that traffic light, that there might be a crossing, that there might be pedestrians on the road, that driving through the fog is dangerous, all of that is obvious, nevertheless I can make the um, rational decision to just keep on moving let's say with 30 miles an hour, because it's a road where you might drive 80 miles an hour. Yeah? So. It even shows some degree of prudence. Now, that is simply a descriptive sentence by Hegel. My autonomous will is involved in a conscious idea of all the circumstances that uh, are involved in that particular existence. I understand something of my world. However, that understanding is finite, that understanding is limited. And that right is now that I can only be held accountable for to the degree that I actually factually knew what this particular existence involved. Even though there is much more to know, even though other persons might know more about these circumstances, um, a, a very real question to determine moral guilt is what did you actually know? What, what was you thinking? Now there are of course exceptions to that. When somebody drinks to the degree that he is so uh, inebriated that he cannot um, make proper and rational judgments, that he cannot perceive these circumstances properly, and still he acts as if he did, then we say that he is guilty inasmuch as as he has overestimated his um, ability to make a proper judgment, and that is something for which he can be held accountable. Now, but, let's do, yes. But since on account of this presupposition, the will is finite, it is finite because it has this idea of these circumstances which is merely a perception or uh, a forstellung um, the will is finite if it were infinite then it would have known all the circumstances that are relevant here the objective phenomenon is contingent for it so um, it's not a matter of necessity it's simply something that you have to perceive the world is as it is and nothing will change that and um, that means that it it is always possible because we only have a finite idea of these circumstances it's always possible that the reality has some other element other conditions or causes or uh, characteristics or properties um, it may contain something other than what was present in the will's idea of it Um it a nice example um, when I want to please a friend so that when he comes back from his holiday um, his house is painted white which is something he intended to do but he is not very handy with a brush so i take it upon myself to paint his house in his absence now he lives on um, let's say camden road 39a and i forgot about the a and there is a camden house 39 and the occupants of that house the neighbors therefore of my friend they have this house which uh, could use some paint, so I take out two weeks of my holiday and paint the house perfectly white. And my friend comes home and he sees his own house and the house of his neighbor, and he hears me telling about my action during his absence, and I presume that he will be very sad and maybe angry because I've painted his neighbor's house instead. So here we have my finite will, my finite knowledge of the world um, in which the objective phenomenon is totally misunderstood I had no idea no true idea of the circumstances which that existence involves now am I responsible for my action? of course I am Uh, because in this case of course I should have ascertained um, which house to paint on the other hand if the neighbor likes the result of my action, it might profusely thank me and leave it at that. So I might be off the hook. But I'm certainly responsible for that. There is no uh, cause, no condition in reality that uh, gets me off the hook here. But it is... Um, uh, very um, indicative of the fact that my will and my understanding of the world is finite. I can make this very awkward uh, mistake. It is, however, the right of the will to recognize as its action, as its deed, I would say, and to accept responsibility for only those aspects of its action which it knew to be presupposed within its end. Um, it's a bit awkward here in the translation, um, here, to, the right of the will to recognize as its action, das Recht des willens aber ist in seiner taat, in this action, nur dies als seine Handlung anzuerkennen, so only to recognize as deed, so action and deed in the translation are here. Um, changed around and that is not correct the right of the will to recognize as its deed and to accept responsibility for only uh, those aspects of its action which it knew to be presupposed within its end and which were present in its purpose so um, i can say i wanted to paint the house of my friend that is my intention that is the deed Um, And for that I am responsible, and when I painted the wrong house that was a mistake. For which I'm accountable, but not responsible. There's a great difference. Accountable uh, means that my action had a result for which uh, I can be um, charged. Uh, I'm guilty of that. It's my action that changed the world and it did harm to that neighbor's house. I'm not morally responsible, because that was not within um, my intention. So morally, I might be off the hook, but legally, I'm not. Now, to continue, I could be made accountable for a deed only if my will was responsible for it, and that is the right of knowledge. Accountable for a deed, zugerechnet werden, uh, means here morally accountable. so Someone can say that I did something evil only if my will was responsible for it. Uh, that is to say, if I intended to do exactly that. Let's go to paragraph 118 in the Philosophy of Right, which is the last paragraph in which Hegel discusses this. There we have not the right of knowledge, but the right of the will, Let's consider this. Furthermore, action has multiple consequences insofar as it is translated into external existence. Again, Hegel uses the word handlung, which should be translated by uh, act or deed. A deed has multiple consequences insofar as it is translated into external existence. Yes, it has more consequences probably that I can imagine or... Think of beforehand for the latter, this external existence, by virtue of its context in external necessity. uh, Let's say there is a a causal connection between uh, this external existence with many other things in the world. It develops in all directions. It's like throwing a stone in a pond, and you see these ripples in the water and it goes beyond your own imagination or consciousness. It's simply impossible to uh, know all of that. Um, then he continues, these consequences as the outward shape, whose soul, the driving force, that which um, gives it its motion, is the end to which the action is directed. I want to have a goal with my action, intention is directed at something. Um, That is the outward shape of it. Belong to the action as an integral part of it. So the consequences still belong to the action. They belong to the action. Uh, Again, Hegel uses the word deed. So all, all, all of the consequences of my action are an integral part of that action. So here Hegel um, stresses the idea that the also the unwanted results of the action are part of my accountability. Um, these consequences belong to the action in as much as they are part of my intention. But, but the action as the end translated into the external uh, world. Let me take a look first uh, to see the translation. But the action as the end translated into the external world is at the same time exposed to external forces which attach to it things quite different from what it is for itself. And impel it on into remote and alien consequences. So as soon as I start acting in this world, the world um, interacts with my actions, with the circumstances that I produce in the world, and they, these might be quite remote and alien consequences. So what is the result of that? Am I responsible for what I did not intend to do? Um, well, that is what he says in the final sentence. The will thus has the right, that, that, is, that is das Recht des Willens. The will thus has the right to accept responsibility only for the first set of consequences. The first set that is part, um, the second sentence had these consequences as the outward shape, whose soul is the end to which the action is directed, belong to the action as an integral part of it so i accept responsibility moral responsibility for that since they alone were part of its purpose nevertheless i can be forced to accept accountability also for the second set of consequences since that my action is the cause of these second of this second set of consequences oedipus in the famous tragedy is responsible for the death of this traveler that he meets on the way, and yet he is not responsible for the murder of his father, which is a different degree of manslaughter or murder. Why not? Because um, in the first instance, it is presumed that it is a righteous act since, well, this man on the road was pretty obnoxious to him, um, which is in itself a weird um, a weird interpretation, but okay, that's part of the tragedy. But he was not responsible for petricide simply because he did not know that it was his father and that it had the consequence that his mother was now a widow and that that had as a consequence that they... Um, possibly would fall in love, or that he would marry her, and then he uh, was also incestuous. Um, So Oedipus must accept responsibility only for that which he could know. Nevertheless, the whole tragedy is about the fact that he is made accountable, nevertheless, by his inner conscience, but also by the law of the gods, he is made respons- uh, he's made accountable also for consequences that he was not responsible for. But that, in a sense, goes beyond the realm of morality. Okay, well, this is um, quite a long discussion of these paragraphs of, uh, of Hegel, paragraph 504. I hope you enjoyed this. And... Um, I hope to see you again next time when we will move into the second paragraph uh, discussing the purpose and the good. Well, das Wort is more the subjective good, the state of well-being. We'll take a look at that next time. Um, I know I'm a bit slow at the moment. Uh, it It takes a lot of time for me to get around to making a new video about uh, Hegel I've got tons and tons of other work to do but um, uh, I'm still uh, going to uh, move forward with uh, with this and um, maybe uh, you need all the time there uh, there is to um, to understand this paragraph 504. Happy studying Hegel and see you next time. podcast devoted to the study of Hegel's philosophy of right.